it because once you go you can't shut up about it <laughs> it's a thing ask Brie <laughs> don't say <laughs> Welcome back to the Striving and Thriving Podcast, a podcast about overcoming tough times and just trying to do our best to thrive at this thing called life. On today's episode, you all will get to learn a little bit more about my co-host, Tori, a little bit about her college experience, her time spent overseas, and a little bit about what she's doing now in life. Hope you all enjoy. Welcome back. As we mentioned on this episode, you all are going to learn all about my co-host, Tori. So... But before we get there, we want to share a fun fact, part of our learning piece that we want to do every week. This episode's fun fact is, did you know that your nose is always visible to you, but you can't see it because your brain ignores it because it processes the fact that it's not important information in front of your face? I feel like anyone with a little bit of like overstimulation type of thing hypersensitivity anyway um can see their nose all the time <laughs> like, I, I mean I can see it but I'm not paying attention to it oh like it's so annoying I'm just like I want this thing out really? I don't even have that big of a nose but I mean and it's not all the time but it's enough that I'm like this is really annoying <laughs> I don't see my nose I should look up that side of the fact now like we'll do more right. research if Welcome you can back. see your nose are you crazy all right yes. <laughs> answer yes I'll have to go back and do some googling on the other side of it because I right. thought it was pretty cool you, like your nose is visible but your brain's just like nope don't need that right now so we'll have to do some research on the other side of it now and get back it's okay I put myself I, I'm <laughs> self-diagnosed crazy it's fine I'm just gonna <laughs> well since we're talking about you anyways this episode it fits very perfectly that way so first story I just want all of our listeners that don't know you which is probably most of them just to kind of get to know you a little bit so go ahead and just tell us a little bit about you morning Tori (laughs) I just went to a wedding this past weekend and they like it was to babysit but like they first booked me on care.com and so my like name on there is Victoria and Mm. so everybody was calling me Victoria all weekend and like I mean, you know me, like, I'm not a Victoria, <laughs> so I, people would be like, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'd be like, hi, I'm Tori, they're like, Tori, I thought you're gonna, and I'm like, nope, my name's Tori, <laughs> it was just so weird, I felt like an imposter the whole weekend, so anyway, my name's Tori, not Victoria. To say, fun fact about Tori is that her name is not Tori, but it is Tori. <laughs> it is Tori, <laughs> and also another fun fact, I said, mom, like, why, where did Tori come from, when did you start calling me Tori, she was like, oh, the day you were born, you've always been a Tori, oh. I was like, oh, okay, okay. just name me Tori, she's like, okay, oh, it sounded pretty, so anyway, there you go, <laughs> okay. um, also kind of raised by a single mom, I had an interesting childhood, my parents divorced when I was five, and we moved, um, but still in town, so just different house, which was fun, it was just me and my mom and my sister, and so three of us had a, you know, good little family relationship, um, but she was dating my now stepdad, and um, a couple of years after my parents divorced, um, they both ended up getting remarried within, I think, the same year and the same month, and now they're celebrating their 20-year wow. anniversary this year, which is, yeah, pretty Oh my gosh, I didn't know cool. that. Yeah, it's a lot of change that happened. Um, for me as a kid, I looked at it very positively. I've always been a very optimistic person, so even when I was a kid, I was like, more Christmas presents, more Christmas <laughs> love me and spoil me well that's true that's true (laughs) yeah yeah so it was definitely really good um even with my parents getting remarried though like my mom was always just kind of the discipliner and 
she was the one that would really just set the structure for us for our lives. Um, my stepdad was, you know, awesome and definitely like just a really great role model in terms of he loved nature and he loved to be outside and he loved to cook. And so I got a lot of those qualities from him, which was really great. And then my dad, we would go to visit him on the weekends and we would go oh, do so many fun things. Uh, my dad definitely tried to be the fun parent when we'd go see him every other weekend. And my stepmom, um, they would take us to Bush Gardens. I can't even count how many times I've been to Bush Gardens, Virginia, because we just went so many times. It was the go-to. If we didn't have anything to do, we'd go to Bush Gardens. Um, so I would say, like, overall, I had a really happy, great childhood, and I'm so grateful for that. But there were a lot of expectations that were set for me as um, I moved into adulthood. And I would definitely say, say that I broke the norm quite a bit on what was expected um, of me. When I was graduating high school, I had a very similar thing to Brie where I was like, go off to college, go off to college, you're going to go do that. Um, and I did go to college, but my senior year, um, I call, or high school was good. I would say I had a good college or good high school experience. I don't know if I would do it again, but I was <laughs> And I had a lot of really close friends in marching band and I just had a really great community there. Um, good experiences, just had a really great friend group. I was the drum major my senior year, so did not play the drums. I conducted the band for those that don't know. And think I'm that so I glad that you said that because Tori, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know for a really long time what that meant. I was like, oh, go Tori. She's hitting the drums and leading it all I did not know that that was not what that was right and like I don't know if other high schools are like this but like the drum major is the student in charge like I was the top student in charge of this band you know and our our band director was there but he would like be like okay tell the man to go do this you know make sure everybody gets here at this time I mean it was like a really big role and it was it was kind of a lot. It was a lot of pressure, um, but yeah. I was really lucky to have it. And I, I loved it. I loved, and honestly, I loved like the attention that it got me <laughs> in high school. You know, it was like seeking everybody's attention all the time, which I've worked on since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I graduated high school. Um, but six months before I graduated high school, my dad got orders to Okinawa. So I grew up living with my mom and my stepdad and just visiting my dad on the weekends. And my dad had um, got married and then also had more kids. So um, he had two more kids, uh, my younger siblings who are, who at now they're 14 and my brother's 16 or maybe 15 and 16. Gosh, I don't even know. Yeah. 14 and 16, which is like mind blowing. They're in high school and just doing oh, great just things. Wait till they're 21 and you have your first drink with them. Cause that oh, really blows your mind. Okay, I'm actually excited for that. <laughs> that'll be fun but <laughs> um so at the time it was like December of 2014 2013 my dad got these orders I had applied to Appalachian State to NC State um I think I wanted to go to NC State the most because that was my family where they wanted me to go um I really did like the school and I just kind of thought okay this is you know my path this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna graduate high school and go to NC State I did not get into NC State. Oh. Um, I got waitlisted. So oh. similar to Bree, not getting into her school. I got waitlisted. I got into Appalachian State. I kind of wanted to go there, but you know, all these feelings are coming back now where I was like, actually, I did want to go to state. Um, my, my big error with applying to go to NC State was that I applied 
for science, like to major mm. in science. And okay. I have terrible science grades. <laughs> My mom convinced me to be like, be like, oh, you like science, study science. And like, I had a terrible science teacher in high school and I did like science, but I, she was horrible. And it just wasn't like, <laughs> I didn't do well in her classes because she didn't teach very well. Um, I blame her. I mean, maybe I'm gaslighting, but. <laughs> <laughs> just a little, but it's okay. I'm, I'm putting blame somewhere else, but anyway didn't get in my dad got these orders to Japan and I had had a friend in band who had spent a year of her high school in Okinawa uh, I was Okinawa Japan and she just talked so much about it and because I went to a school in a military town a lot of people had been to Okinawa and a lot of people talked about it because once you go you can't shut up about it <laughs> it's a thing ask Brie don't say <laughs> um so I was like you know what maybe this is my plan and so that Christmas, I remember we went up to um, West Virginia where my mom's family is from. And they were like, so Tori, what are you going to do after you graduate? And I was like, I think I might go to Japan. And my mom was like, oh, she thinks she's so funny. She's going to go to Japan. And I was like, no, really, I think I'm going to go to Japan. So the deal was if I went to Japan, I still had to go to college, mm-hmm. um, which worked out really well because I ended up going to our local community college online. Um, mm-hmm. Online school has been a thing for a while, which is great. They had enough yeah. classes that I could start working on my associate's degree um, at a quarter of, uh, way less than a quarter of the cost of what it would cost to go to school. Um, sure. and this amazing adventure in Japan. So I moved to Japan in the summer of 2014. I, uh, was dating a guy at the time and left him behind. Um, we <laughs> stayed together the entire, I left for a year and we stayed together the entire year that I was gone, which was mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> Just teenagers in a relationship. We'd been friends for a while, but um, safe to say that did not work out when I got back because we were both completely different people. And of course, of course. It worked out for the best, yeah. <laughs> honestly. It kept me in a really good, safe space in Japan. I think if I had been single, it would have been very different. So it was, it was honestly great for me to have this like very, just, just good experience where I was focusing on things to do and not people to do. what would you say looking back on it is the biggest thing that changed about you spending a year in Japan like when you came back what was the most different about you I've always been so independent like even in high school I was really independent but I think being able to like make decisions for myself and Mm -hmm. like the confidence when I got back and and I I know some things like I I started saying things that were like, like I would speak out against things sometimes. I would be like, why, why are you doing this? Like, and specifically, I remember that conversation with my ex was like, no, why are you going to this school and studying this thing just because your parents want you to? Like, you should go do what you want to do, you know? And I was just kind of in that like almost rebellious phase, but, but not rebellious. It was was like living for yourself and just living your life the way that you want to. And um, that was something that was really amazing when I moved to Japan was all the freedom that I had. I turned 18, my dad and stepmom bought me a car. They got me a phone and like gave me the resources to set up this life for a year, this kind of dream, dream life, you know, yeah. it was really amazing. Um, I built a really strong relationship with my siblings while I was there. My little sister, she was five at the time. She was my little best buddy. She was following me around everywhere. She always wanted to go wherever I was going. She was like, Tori, why can't I go with you? And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're five and I want to go scuba diving. <laughs> right, right. 
Don't yet. Yeah, I got to. I think I pulled out her first tooth. Like I got to pull out, you know, her teeth, which is weird to like brag about. But <laughs> those moments, those memories. Yes. You know, yes. So fun. She always wanted to go to the park, so I'd always try to take her to the park. And you know, I think looking back, I, I know that this is going to be how it is when I have kids too one day. But it's just like I wish I would have done more. I wish that I could have bought her every single little toy that she asked for. You know, sure. all those little things. Or it's like I wish that I could have just like spoiled her so much more than I did. Um, so yeah, I also did Boy Scouts when I was in Japan, which I think led to a lot of my decisions later on that I decided to do and, and a lot of cool experiences that I had over there and a lot of, um, learning moments for relationships and relationships with older adults in terms of like, just, we had some interesting leaders in our Boy Scout group that I didn't really click with. Um, we had a lot of disagreements in, in relation to, we, there were stressful moments. We um, would run summer camps and we would go, we went to mainland Japan on a trip one time and we climbed Mount Fuji and we went to like to Disney Sea and, you know, went to all these places and that can be really stressful for adults taking teenagers there. So, um, sure. you know, in hindsight now being 10 years older, I'm like, okay, I understand some of the things, you know, they didn't want to stay out until eight o'clock at night because they, we had to wake up at 5 a.m. Right. next day. And right. I get that. Can you explain um, to some people how Boy Scouts works worked for you like are there different stipulations um being a female in a boy scout troop just kind of how that works for people who don't know yeah so I actually um started with the boy scouts when I was in high school um back in North Carolina I was in a co-ed group called venture crew um so we would do fun things like kayaking and camping and rock climbing and just a lot of fun adventurous stuff and that was what venture crew was meant to do was to get people outside doing adventurous things and not patches or you know not as much like life skill things as much as it was just adventure like adventurous stuff venture crew that was what it was um co-ed up until you could be in it until you were 21 I think oh okay yeah because I yeah yeah 21 when you're 21 you could be become an adult leader so that honestly like it was it was good that I did in North Carolina because when I went to Japan I knew what it was I thought right. it out I was like I want right. to do this do they have a venture crew here yes they do um it was very small so I earned leadership very quickly um in that because you know it was just it was an interesting thing that I did there um I got to do so we had some camps so there was a uh, if anybody's been to Okinawa, they'll know. <laughs> There's an army base called Tori Station, Tori Beach, um, which is kind of fun because my name's Tori. Right, was, right. Um, and I got to, we had a camp out on the beach, which was really fun. And all the boys, the Boy Scouts had set up on one side and all the staff had set up on the other side. And I got to be the senior patrol leader, which is like top dog for the camp one time. Of course. And, um, we had another camp in mainland Japan that I got to fly over to, which was just so cool. It's just so cool to like get to fly, you know, you're still in the same country, but it's like you're flying to basically this other country. It seems, you know, Okinawa is so different culturally than mainland Japan. And then we'd go to this base um, called Tama Hills and uh, run these camps in the woods and the mountains. And it was just so cool. And um, so, yeah, just really awesome experiences there. 
So I remember one time, one evening, I was, I would always like FaceTime or call my friend Megan, um, who you've met Megan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she uh, was one of my childhood friends from like third grade. And uh, I'd always call her because she would be on like the opposite shifts. She'd be working till like 2am at Papa John's and she was actually going to App, uh, Appalachian where both Brie and I went. Um, so she was actually going there at the time and so I'd call her and text her all the time and she'd always be up which is just great because I was like 14 hours ahead which nobody else was awake um, certain hours of the day which was kind of lonely and I was like hey like I don't know what I'm doing in my life like I'm gonna have to come back eventually like what what do you think what I I was just such a back then I always asked people like what do you think I should do what do what what advice would you have for my life um, I would say that that's changed so much. I don't ask people what they think anymore. So I'm like, no, I know what I'm doing. I want to make my own decisions. But back then I was like, no, I need help. Um, and Megan was like, well, there's this program at app that is recreation management. Have you ever looked at it? Here's a link. I think she literally texted me the link. <laughs> so I looked at it and I looked at outdoor education first because mm-hmm. man, and if anybody's looked at that we should like link that program guide in there because that thing is so cool it's like rock climbing whitewater rafting leadership classes recreation um what are some other cool ones that you took um specifically for oee i did rock climbing i did water sports i mean i did an 11 day backpacking trip as a class credit so it's definitely I mean, part of the reason I landed there is because it was the coolest program of its kind. And the biggest thing that sets their apartment, their department apart from the other schools in the country that offer it as a major is it's hands-on. Like I said, I I took an 11 day backpacking trip and it counted for an entire semester's class. So it's a lot more hands-on than anything I had ever experienced. If you have any interest in doing recreation in any way, shape or form, Obviously, Tori and I both <laughs> promote App State a whole bunch, but specifically, Tori and I ended up in different concentrations, specifically for OEE, Outdoor Experience Education, just top-notch, hands-on, mm-hmm. real backcountry environment experience, super, super cool. And they lay it out and they sell it well for their website and for their program, so. And I fell in love and I was <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to do this. This is great. So I had that figured out, which was good. But I um, also to earn income in Japan, I wasn't just sitting around doing nothing. Um, I nannied. Uh, so there's a little baby that I nannied for. I can't remember how old she was. She wasn't six months, but I feel like she was like eight months when I started. And then maybe like a year and a half when I ended. I don't know. I watched her for like eight or nine months, maybe 10 months. Um, she was wonderful. Uh, so I got over there in July and by September, I signed up and taken my first scuba diving course, which was Patty Open Water, and I was hooked. Um, Okinawa is the Hawaii of Japan, but better, in my humble opinion. Um, the best part is that back in 2014, you could rent a tank to go scuba diving. I had all my own gear, so I paid $6 for a tank. I drove three minutes down the road to the seawall. I would park. I would set up my gear, and I would go diving. 
And like to be able to do that for $6 is awesome. just amazing. I mean, somebody that has their own tank can do it for even less, but just that was, that was really, really incredible. Um, so the waters over there are just phenomenal. If you take a boat out to the Karamas, it's just crystal clear water with turtles. And some people say they see manta rays. If I saw manta ray, I don't know if I'd come back up. That would, that would just be. <laughs> That's the breaking point, huh? <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty, it would be amazing, but I never got to see manta ray, but one day I would see so I then signed up for an advanced open water course I think I was in February which like off-season winter diving over there it's kind of chilly um so it was a little cold um took advance I met a really cool group of people and a cool instructor and he was like hey I've got a rescue course coming up you should take it so rescue is the next step um so I had so much fun in advanced open water I was like all right I gotta just keep keep doing it so by the time you do rescue people start asking you, all right, are you going to go dive master? Like that's, that's the next step. And I was like, I only have like three months left in Japan. This is like end of April that I decided to do it. I was going to Japan to do these um, summer camps with the Boy Scouts. I was like, I don't know if I have time. So I was like thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? So for people who don't know, Tori, what, what does the time commitment look like to be a dive master? I know you and I, like even I, who am not a scuba diver, I I know my mom did it, but what does that look like for people who don't know what's the time commitment look like to get to that next step? I think the average time frame for getting it is anywhere from two months to six months. I'm not sure if you have to get it within six months. I don't really remember, but basically like at a minimum, I think it's two months is what they say is like, because there's a lot of, and that's, that's like two months of like living normal life and doing it on the weekends, right. doing it on the evenings, right. and, you know, trying to fit it in. Um, I'm sure there's some type of like crazy course that you could knock it out in a couple of weeks, but right. two months to six months is normal, I think. So yeah, I had like three months before I was going to leave. I was going to be in mainland as a whole thing, but I was like, you know what? Life's calling me to do this. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I signed up. I paid the money, swiped my card to do it. And my instructor who was at Kadena Marina quit his job. And I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't want to do this with anybody else. Oh, so I met with like goodness. the manager of the Marina and he was like, okay, we'll give you a refund. Like, you know, what? I'm sorry that this happened. Like, blah, blah, blah. There was drama. Of course there's drama. <laughs> instructors, so much drama. Um, anyway got my refund. Um, my instructor texted me and he said, Hey, got a new job at this other dive place down the street. Oh my gosh. I'll give you your dive master for free, which I think in Japan at the time it was running your face right now. <laughs> I didn't know any of this. That's so awesome. <laughs> I love that we're like getting to know each other more now. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know um, all the backstory of how you became a dive master. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, he was like, I'll give it to you for free. Uh, I think I paid like $595 for it, which is like really cheap. If anybody is listening, they're going to be like, wow, that's really cheap. <laughs> um, I think in North Carolina, it's like $1,500 and it doesn't oh, yeah. like yada, yada, yada. It's right. so freaking expensive, which was why I was like, I have to get this in Japan. Like right. that's that's so reasonable. Um, I went over to Japan with like a little chunk of change. And I think I came back with like $163. And by I think I came back with that, I know I came back with that. Like, <laughs> I had no, I was working the entire time I was there. I spent all my money on diving. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to spend everything on diving, food. Oh my gosh. So got my dive master for free. Um, I sort of like get 
the class you have to like shadow a lot for open water classes and so I shadowed a few different classes which was interesting my sister actually was in one of my classes that I got to shadow and uh it was just it was a cool experience I finished I think two days before I left (laughs) it was kind of stressful I got back home and my dive master card came in like maybe three weeks it was a couple of weeks after I got home that it came in because it just took a while um is it was just so cool and I got back and I think I got back on a Saturday and by Monday I was in class at community college. So just completely like, you go, girl. <laughs> who you cares if I'm jet lagged? I was like, I want to spend every single day that I can here. Um, came back, I uh, was back for a month and my boyfriend at the time and I broke up. Um, that was a really life altering moment for me, if I'm being honest. Like if I look back at some really tough times that that started a really tough time. So I was already super depressed from coming back from the most amazing year of my life. Yeah. Big, and big life change, whether you were depressed about it or not, you just spent an entire year di- living this completely different life. Yes. I um, was living back in my hometown. I was back at home where, you know, I was still a teenager. There were still a lot of heated moments. Uh, it just wasn't super ideal. I had so much freedom in Japan and I didn't lose all of that freedom when I came back, but it was just harder to kind of feel like there was there was some of that that was lost. Um, and then I thought that I lost this person that meant like so much to me, you know, I mean, I did, but like, I, it was just tough. It yes. was really, really tough to go through that breakup. So young love. <laughs> it was the end of the world. I mean, I just, oh, I was such a hot mess. It's fine. It's, it's <laughs> embarrassing, honestly, to like think about that time in my life, but it's okay. I had to get through it. I had to learn a lot of self-respect and, you know, just kind of, live life. And so I was home for a few months. And then finally, in May of 2016, I went back to Japan. <laughs> um, the military is a really cool thing where if you are a dependent and a college student, and you can prove that you're in college, you can prove, you know, all these things, um, they will fly you to visit your family uh, once a year. So I got to go for a month. That was the longest that I could feasibly managed to get over there I think it was like yeah 30 I think it was 30 days still pretty um, good I dove 20 times in those 30 days which <laughs> was, was the rainy season like May I think it was the rainy season over there and I mean to be able to do that like I it was insane I was diving so much but it was so fun that was that was like the best the summer of 2016 I mean this past summer was pretty darn good <laughs> but Summer 2016 was such a good summer to go to Japan. I came back from Japan. I went to Philmont, which uh, is a Boy Scout camp out in New Mexico, um, and hiked out there for 11 days. Uh, I think we we were supposed to do 67 miles. I think we did like 83 miles. Dang. Which like doesn't really actually seem like that much now that like we just went to Yellowstone and Glacier and like hiked all these miles and I like I feel like I'm in so much better shape now to hike that amount than I was then it was very painful a Um, new glass ceiling is built too you know every time you do the next biggest trip you're like oh well the last one didn't seem so bad because I've already done this and I've already done that and right 
and it was just so painful. But my shoe situation, I I just learned so much. My feet are just so much. It was just so bad. Oh my gosh, new hiking boots, and I've just learned I can't. I have a wide toe box, and I have to respect that and love my toes and give them the space that they need to wiggle, or else they're Fair. gonna hit me, and I'm not gonna be able to walk. So Fair. Fair. listen to your body. Listen to your body. Yeah, that was an interesting trip with some drama too. I don't know. Like I want to get into some of these little weird trips that I had with these dramatic people. I was like, why am I in this situation? I don't understand. Is it me? Maybe it's me, but anyway. What? Um, so to, to just jump forward just a little bit, because obviously we've talked about a lot how we ended up at App. How did you go from a Boy Scout trip, community college, living at home, to then finally make the dive to go to App? Oh, I knew I was coming, going to App. When I, oh. came back, when I came back from Japan, <laughs> that was set. I was going to App. I... I had been to app. I really just think I've, I've thought about this before. So we used to go camping when I was a kid mm-hmm. and my grandpa would take us to different colleges to go tour them because we were all kids and like, it was yeah. just good. It was a good thing. So one of our things, we drove around app states campus. I remember seeing the big wind turbine um, and just thinking it was beautiful and I knew that I loved the mountains and I wanted to get far enough away from home that like my parents couldn't just show up but I didn't want right. to go through western Carolina because I don't like western right. um so I was like all right apps apps the one um and then my friend Megan sent the degree program so when I yeah. got back from Japan I think the application process opened like shortly after I got back okay and so that was like I'm remembering August for some reason August or September um I applied and within like three days I think they had sent me an, an acceptance because I was applying transferring from community college I'd already been accepted once like right. you know all, just, all the things or and right. I could have run NC State at that point I 100% think NC State would have accepted me um yeah. which was that school that I was like oh maybe I'll go right um, right I was like I don't want to go there anymore. They didn't want me. I don't want them. <laughs> want school Forget them. them. <laughs> yes. I went to school that has always wanted me. So yeah, I um, went to app. I We had transfer orientation and then um, signed up for that backpacking trip that you and I did together. I felt like a little badass on, the, <laughs> on that backpacking trip. It's like, oh, I hiked 11 miles this summer or 11 days this summer. I had not showered the entire time. I was a little egotistical. This is fine. friends with me? <laughs> <laughs> and then we also alluded to this already, but App State has a couple different concentrations for their recreation management degree. So tell us a little bit about the concentration you ended up in and why. Yeah. Um, so I studied parks and recreation. So fun. <laughs> I think that was like what it was called. It was just parks and rec. Yeah. Yeah. Parks um, and, rec. and yeah. And I honestly did it because I wanted something more general than the outdoor education. And I knew after my backpacking trip that I was not super physically fit and that I didn't love backpacking. Um, now I enjoy backpacking a lot more because I'm not really in shape. I don't know, my feet, it's my feet. Anyway. <laughs> just knowledge of the experience too, better equipment, understanding it. I, I totally get yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. So I wanted something more general because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my recreation degree. I was just so letting other people decide things for me at that point in my life Um, but something I did know was that I wanted to get back to Japan how do I get back to Japan so it took a little while before I realized that military recreation I I knew military recreation was a thing but like I didn't really want to do it but 
I got, I convinced myself that I did want to do it. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to get back to Okinawa. So went through a degree program, a couple of years of fun, fun things at app, man. That was, that was a good time. <laughs> cookout milkshakes and late at night and <laughs> people who don't have cookout, they don't understand the cookout milkshakes are where it's at. <laughs> Lots of football games. Um, I did marching band in college, so that was fun and definitely a unique experience. Um, anyway, so then I graduated and it was the springtime and I was like, oh, I don't know what I want to do after I graduate. What am I going to do with my life? You know, kind of everybody has that their senior year and everybody's yeah. asking them, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I, was like, I don't know. Um, so kind of simultaneously, I applied for a job at Camp Lejeune for um, recreation as a recreation assistant for outdoor, outdoor, what were we called? Outdoor recreation, outdoor, I think it was just outdoor recreation. Sorry, there's so many different names for all these things. <laughs> um, and then I also applied to grad school because my professors were saying, have you thought about grad school? It's kind of like not the most recommended path, but seems like something that if you, you're you're okay at school, you know, if you don't hate it and you can push through these next two years, go ahead and get a master's degree. Now's the time to do it, which is what so many people were telling me. If you have any motivation to do it, do it now because you're not going to be able to have time or motivation later in life. And I was like, okay, sounds good to me. Right. Um, also, there's things called graduate assistantships. And if you apply for them and you get them, then not only will they pay for your college, but some of them will pay you to go to school. And I was like, right. hmm. Because <laughs> right. at this point, I'd come out of college debt-free. I feel incredibly privileged to have had that experience. My dad served as a Marine for 30 years. And so I got a quarter of his GI Bill, which helped cover um, 12 months of my uh, college going to app and then my um, community college I was able to cover with some small scholarships um, I think like community college is just I think it was like $90 a credit hour which is great man yeah. it's just so affordable yeah. Um, so yeah I I had a dream of, um, not a dream really, but I, I knew ECU had a good program where they were going to pay for my degree and pay me to go. Um, I applied for the facilities one. Yes. So I thought ECU was the dream grad school, um, applied for the facilities graduate assistantship, and I was denied. My interview was terrible. I was terrible at interviewing back then. Um, I'd also applied for one at UNCW, and I went down to UNCW to interview in person because my parents live right around the corner. They were not offering to um, pay for tuition. They were just offering to pay me. So that one was not as good of a deal. Um, yeah. I ended up uh, being offered two positions there. So I got my cho my choice of the two, which was really incredible. Um, I accepted, I forget, I think it was the like leadership one. They had like a higher education leadership one, accepted it. And then the next day, ECU reached out and they said, hey, actually we have a club sport graduate assistantship available. Do you want it? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> so sorry, UNCW. Not gonna happen. Um, vibes at UNCW just, I mean, obviously the money wasn't there, but the vibes also weren't there. And ECU just, it, it was just, it was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, I think that's something that until you get to a college campus and you experience how important that is, where you fit in, you don't, it's, it's like, this sounds like such a corny comparison, but it's like putting on a wedding dress, which I got to do in the last couple of years for the first time. Everyone's like, oh, you're going to have this moment. You're just going to know it's the right dress. You're just going to walk onto campus and you're just going to know it's right. And you 
you don't believe that until you experience it. And then you're like, oh, this people were right. People were so right. Yes, yes, exactly. So I got the job at Camp Lejeune. And then I also got the graduate assistantship. So it worked out really well because I did that in the summer. I worked um, for Camp Lejeune. I learned so much. I got to do a lot of programming where I found out that that is my love. I love to plan so many things. Um, I love to just, you know, connect with people. I love to talk to people. When I was running kayak tours, it was just one of my favorite things. I just felt so lucky to be able to be paid to run kayak trips and kayak tours at sunset in my hometown almost, you know, it was just really, really cool. And then I went off to grad school and that was a whole experience. ECU is wild, as they say. Um, It's a wild party school. Um, So that was fun. I made some friends there and just had a really good time. And when I was finishing up grad school, it was the fall of 2019. I uh, was going to graduate in the spring of 2019. And some folks had left early. It was kind of a thing where like you could leave a semester early and nobody would really be mad at you. Yeah. Um, So I decided to do that and apply for a job at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base as the assistant director. Um, All of these goals were to get me back to Japan. I knew that if I got this job, that it would lead me in a stepping stone of being able to be qualified for one of the jobs that will pay you to move over to Japan. So they'll pay all of your moving costs and everything. They were higher up positions. So I had to work my way up. I couldn't just, you know, my, uh, there's a scale. And so my job at Camp Lejeune was an NF2. I was getting this assistant director job as an NF3. And so I knew that NF4 and above, they'd hire them overseas. So I, I knew that that was my foot in the door. Oh, overseas. Um, Go overseas. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, started that job in January of 2020. Prime time to start a new job, baby. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, I guess it worked out because I got paid during COVID. Um, there were some interesting things that was going on with pay and just conversations that had to be had, but it's just funny. Um, I also decided in March before COVID hit, it was like the, the beginning of March, we had a campground on base and I had talked to my boss and her boss about maybe I'll buy a camper and live at the campground because that sounds like fun. I don't like renting this place way far away from work. And I think it'd be interesting to live with my dog on base. And so I did that. I lived on base for a year. Um, COVID kind of slowed down. We were able to get back into programming and running trips. And so my job on the Air Force Base entailed so much. It was just wild wild everything. But um, we had the opportunity to run swim lessons. I am not certified as a swim lesson instructor. I was taking the classes before COVID hit. I think I went to like four classes. We never even really did practical things in the pool. We just met and talked about the book stuff. But um, my boss's boss was like, are you comfortable doing it? And I was like, sure, why not? Let's do it. Let's do it and see what happens. I had some lifeguards who had taught some, you know. Literal sink or swim. Literal sink or swim. (laughs) sink or swim. Um, I was a certified lifeguard, so I at least had that. I was a certified lifeguard instructor, actually. So just just caveat there. I was a little in, you know, I I was a little qualified, but um, so we started running those and they were a huge hit. I mean, they sold out all summer long. And that was just really, really cool to see this thing that I had a dream of. I was like, I want to bring swim lessons back and I want to do it. I want to keep it in-house. The biggest issue before when they had run swim lessons where they were contracting it out and they just like weren't really making very much money. It was kind of a pain in the booty. So I was like, all right. I'm going to do this and make this happen. So um, honestly, when I was the assistant director, I was able to do a lot of things and feel very accomplished. Um, so in April of 2021, I was promoted to director. 
the NF4 position, um, which was an incredible opportunity. I was 24 when I got promoted and I, at the, at the height of the summer, had 25 people that I was managing, which was crazy. Um, That job, I would say, was a complete 180 in the sense of accomplishment. I felt like I was always just, there was just always something. It was just something was wrong, something. It was just really tough. Um, This was a tough, tough job. I uh, learned a lot of leadership things in that position, and I um, was not the best leader. Uh, (laughs) I was not really a great leader at all, Um, but I learned a lot of things, and I think by the time I left, I'd given myself enough grace that I was like, all right, I did the best that I could at the time, and, you know, apologized to the people that it needed to be apologized. (laughs) Um, But that job was a lot, and it was really stressful, and it was just honestly too much for me, so quit that ish and um, you know traveled the country got the other job at the June um as a manager there that was an NF3 so I took a pay cut and I took a downgrade not downgrade but I it was a dream job honestly like yeah. I knew that I I went back and worked when I worked as an NF2 there I got the job that my boss had at the time or so I thought it was the dream job. <laughs> I wonder um, how that happens with a little perspective. Yeah, well, and it was like quickly after I started, they started talking about merging positions and that my position was going to be a not to exceed. And so when those things start getting talked about, you're like, all right, I'm not going to stay in this. Right. I kind of wait to be eliminated. Yeah. Um, so Bree and I's mutual friend, Hunter, um, we were... Hunter and I were talking one night and we were just like all right like forget all this why are we doing all this let's quit our jobs and go to Europe for three and a half weeks so that's what we did and yeah yeah, things ever since have honestly been amazing I felt like I finally started living my life for me over the last 10 months since I started my business and things are just they're they're really good I am finding the things that I love and enjoy in life. Um, I heard something today. I think I was, oh, oh, I was watching a YouTube video. And this guy had asked his grandpa, like, what piece of advice he would give by the time he's 34, you know, or, or to a 30, your 34-year-old self. And he was just like, you know, to figure out what you love to do and what you're good at and, like, hone in on that. Because you don't have to be a little bit of good at everything. You can be really good at certain things. And, you know, sure, for hobbies and other things like that. But, like, for your career and what you want to make out of yourself, you're going to have more success if you go. And I'm kind of, you know, paraphrasing now. But I, I really feel like, you know, if if you're able to find these things that you're really good at, you are going to have more success in kind of honing in on that. And then, you know, if you're interested in other things, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do them, but you right. Know, right. I, think, I also I think, think the odds know. are that if you find something that you're really good at, that um that success over and over again will then also make it enjoyable if it's something that you're succeeding at. I mean, truth be told, my my job at Orange Theory was not the dream, but on the day-to-day I was very successful at it and maybe not that position with that company was ideal, but in the time that I have left, my manager brain is just something that exists in me naturally now that I love and I miss. And I realized that there was this part of managing and problem solving that I really loved and I could make a job out of that. They need managers and problem solvers and everything all over the place at jobs, but the- In your own small business. (laughs) Yes, yes, I could. But the odds that if you find something that you're really good at, you'll probably either learn to love it or already love it because there's a piece that there's always success with that if you are good at it. So which is where I've built 
my dream job where I get to run tours when I want to. I have right. another guide that helps me run tours. And um, I had, a, I think, I think I, one night, like something, I had to run a tour because I was going to do something and then I got canceled. So I kind of felt weird. Like I should be running this tour, not her, but it's kind of nice. So I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like right. like running this, you know, kind of passive income. Like it's, For it's sure. Really For awesome. sure. Um, but also I also think it's worth doing an entire episode on you being a small business owner, because that's just such a unique portion of your life at your age that you can attest to. That could be its total own pon- podcast. Podcast comes from, I, Kyle and I follow this um, dad on Instagram and him and his daughter do a podcast and she calls it a podcast. And oh. so I call it all the time. Crazy, weird note, a podcast. <laughs> so, but I think there could be an entire episode about you not only running your own business, but also helping with this other business that's now partnered with your small business, the age that you're doing it at, like all these things that are just so impressive about it for you specifically. And I think that's totally worth digging deeper into on totally another episode. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, that's my life in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> and with that, since we're going to wait on that. <laughs> Hunter has told me that I should write a book and I don't know I think I should just start one now and then by the time I'm like 80 it's gonna be really cool and have like a lot of cool memories and even if it's just for me to read like it'd be pretty fun (laughs) I've thought about that with this podcast even too you know maybe maybe we only do this for six months you know but within that six months there will be all these fun memories that we've shared and there will be all these fun people that we've talked to and it'll be its own little casing of six months worth of memories that are recorded and there to go back to and I actually have thought about that for this podcast as well which is why I always say we're going to keep doing it until it's not fun and then we won't do it anymore and we'll move on to what's fun right right. (laughs) I actually was thinking about something similar today but with like my grandparents and how I don't really have like video or audio recordings of them or very many of them and how it would be cool to like hear about their past life and have everything recorded and so it would be kind of crazy to think about like one day like our grandkids might be listening to this so yeah shout out to future grandkids (laughs) hope you all look like me because I'm cute no just kidding (laughs) get some better jeans (laughs) oh that's so funny well thank you for taking the time to share all about you today it's so funny for how many years we've been friends there were still things that I I didn't know. I know, yours so too. It's so fun. It's so fun. It Hopefully our viewers also enjoyed listening to us and getting Well, to- if they're watching us, they're stalking us. So I hope they're not viewers. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you're all taking the time to listen and engage with us. Um, like I always want to plug at the end, we do have an Instagram for our podcast, striving and thriving underscore podcast suggestion topics. If you want to be on the show, we'll take it all in for you there happy to do so that's also where we'll post when our new episodes drop which we're shooting by the way for every other Wednesday so we're gonna drop the episodes about us um this coming Wednesday which will be the 18th and then we'll drop another episode after we come back from Iceland and we'll kind of go from there awesome thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time bye